Welcome to the Impact Church Podcast, and thank you so much for joining us as we seek to establish Christ followers who live in obedience to God's Word and make an impact in their community and the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, Pastor Brad continues in his sermon series called Psalms of Summer as he speaks from Psalm 23 about following the voice of the Good Shepherd. Are you ready to make an impact for Christ? The time is now. Welcome to Impact Church this morning. And we've been going through a sermon series uh, through the summer called Psalms of Summer. And each week we've been expositionally going through a chapter of the psalm. So this week and then also next week, we're going to be in a very popular psalm, a psalm that may be uh, many of your favorite psalm in here because it's a very popular psalm. It has a lot of truth, a lot of doctrine in it. And it's Psalms 23. So we're going to be in Psalms 23 today and next week. Uh, There's so much in there um, to to go through a careful exegesis of that I felt like I couldn't do it in one. I mean, I could, but we'd be here to one, right? So we don't want to do that. So we want to let y'all out and get something to eat and all that kind of stuff. So we'll break it in half and we'll do the first half this week, the second half next week because there's so much in there. So let's get going. The, The title of today's message as we look into Psalms 23, today's message is the voice of the shepherd, the voice of the shepherd. So we want to look at what it is to hear the voice of God. What does that mean? What does that look like for us? Where where is that brought out here in this passage, as well as other um, passages in scripture that support and come after this passage that we'll look at today? So we want to look at that. And next week will be the presence of the shepherd. So this week is the voice of the shepherd. And I don't have to tell you, because you probably already know, is we live in a world of wants, don't we? A world of wants. We want. We want things. We want people. We want relationships. We want status. We want money. We want more. We want different. We want, we want, we want. And it's constantly pushed upon us through our society And unfortunately, that kind of mindset is even existent in the church. And oh, what a shame. But we live in that type of society. And here's the thing, though. If you live long enough, and especially if you become spiritually mature enough, at some point you're going to realize that there's really no relationship, there's no championship, there's no scholarship, there's no fellowship, and there's no ownership of anything that will truly satisfy you on this world. There isn't. So all things are good, all things are fun, and God put, us, put it here to, for us to enjoy. But if we live for that, we're going to miss out on a whole lot of what God wants for us. So here we know that there's a society of wants. But this passage is going to show us something that's counterculture, if you will. We had that message uh, back, if you were here in the fall, we had 16-week sermon series called Counterculture, and we touched on um, all the hardest topics in our culture, and uh, many topics of which the church, the modern-day church, is silent about. Well, we weren't silent, and uh, the Lord brought us through that. But here's another counterculture message, if you will, a behind-the-scenes message of when we truly follow Christ, when we follow the shepherd, that we're not going to be in an attitude, a desire of wants for the things of this world anymore. Well, that goes against everything that we know and feel. So this passage is also going to 
not only point to the shepherd, but kind of look to us as followers of Christ like sheep. And here's the thing. All of us in here are following something. You know, the sheep need to follow the shepherd. They listen for the voice. They look for his lead, his provision, everything. So the sheep follow the shepherd, right? There's the message in here. But here's the problem. So many of us follow the wrong shepherd. You see, we're all following something. What are you following? Who are you following? What voice are you listening to? Because the message today is, is the sheep follow the shepherd. The Lord in this passage is pointed to as the shepherd. A passage related to it in the New Testament, which you're sure you're aware of. We'll also look in John chapter 10. Jesus himself called himself the good shepherd. So if he is the shepherd and we are the sheep, shouldn't he be the only one we follow and listen to? So the question today is, who is your shepherd and which voice do you listen to? Let me pray for us before we dive in. Dear Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we're in awe of you and who you are. Father, you are holy. You are mighty. You are just. You are full of grace, full of mercy. And Lord, you are also a just God of wrath. Because you can't tolerate sin and be in its presence. And Lord, we thank you for all of who you are, Lord, and that you never change. So Lord, today, Father, as we dive into your word and we hear a passage of scripture, Lord, that points to who you are and Lord, what type of shepherd you are and how we can trust in you and look to you. Father, help us to only hear and look for your voice and your lead. May we not leave here and spend another moment of another day of our lives looking to anything or anybody else but you. Because, Lord, you are it. So, Father, I pray that you would speak through your word right now. Lord, that we would leave here changed, different. Lord, that you would be all of our shepherd, and we would always be looking for your voice, and you get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so you can turn. If you have a copy of God's Word to Psalms 23, we're going to go ahead and read the whole Psalms. It's a short Psalm, only six verses. We're going to read the whole Psalm today, but then our passage, our uh, teaching passage today will be in the first three verses of it. But let's read the whole Psalm together. Psalms 23. This is the Lord, the shepherd of his people, a Psalm of David. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A lot in that psalm, a lot of doctrine in there. So that's where we want to break this up into two. But looking specifically at these first three verses today, and right off the bat in verse one, there's a, a significant, significant message in that first verse. And it's worthy of the majority of this message to us today that the Lord has for us. Because inside of verse one, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, inside of that, there's a different approach. There's a different satisfaction and direction to life that's opposite of what this world says. Directly opposite of what culture wants us to do. And really inside of this verse, there's really two parts. There's a first part and a second part, right? There's a part one and a part two. And we live in a culture, a Hollywood culture, don't we? So we're pretty good at understanding what a part one and a part two is. When we look at movies, right? So when you go to see a movie and you know there's a two parts to this, do you just jump and see part two first and just only watch part two and never go to part one? If you do, you're crazy. You're very different than most people, right? Because, because what you want to do is you want to see the beginning. You want to get the first part first so you get the story. You get the understanding. So then part two makes sense. Oh, somebody getting a message already. Look at this passage right here. Look at this first verse. If we don't understand and get the first part of this verse, you will never understand the second part. Does that make sense? I shall not want... You'll never understand that until you understand and make the Lord your shepherd. That's the only way you're going to have it, all right? So inside this first part, we see it says there's four parts in that. The Lord is my shepherd. If you look to the Lord, all right, that's the word Yahweh, all right? That is the one and only true God. It's the same word and context that was used for uh, Moses before he went into Pharaoh and, and he asked the Lord, he's like, who should I say sent me? What did what God say? Just tell him, I am sent you. He is. He's the only, one and only true God. So he is Lord. It goes back to uh, what we had talked about earlier in the Psalms where David had said, you are Lord and you're my Lord. You're God, you're my God. In other words, you are sovereign. I acknowledge that. But not only are you Lord, you're God, you're sovereign. You are my Lord. You're my God. You're my sovereignty. Is he your sovereignty? Do you recognize him as such? So the Lord the one and only. Then there's this word is. And that word is gives the idea of presence and future tense. It's not a I was or a I might be or a, you know, he will be one day. It's an is. Is he Lord? It's definite. And then he says my. And this my gives possession. It shows resolve in your heart that this isn't changing. I don't care what anybody else does. He may not be your shepherd, but brother, let me tell you what, he's my shepherd. You know, what you do with the Lord is between you and him, but he's mine. He's my Lord. He's my shepherd. So he shows possession and resolve and making a stand no matter what everybody else is doing. 
And then he says, he's my shepherd. What is a shepherd? We know that. It's the leader. He's your guide. Get this. He's you, who you submit your will and needs to. Oh, please don't miss that. Because if, if you can say, you are Lord, you're my shepherd, you're submitting your will to his will. You're submitting your needs to his authority because he is your sovereignty. So here's the thing. Until we grasp, understand, and apply that first part, you will always be in want. You will not understand what David said when he said, I shall not want. What does that mean? I don't want or need anything else other than him and what he provides. Can you honestly say that? I don't mean you don't have goals in life and aspirations and stuff. And that's not what I'm talking about. You can have goals and aspirations. But is it to the point where it consumes you? Do you spend more time on your profession, on your goals than you do in pursuing Jesus and making him Lord? Think about that. Here's another way to think about it, because we, all, we know we can't, you know, compete with eight hours a day at work, and I go, oh, Lord, I got, Brad said I got to spend eight hours and one minute in the Bible now, so I'm not spending all my time. No, 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 that's not it. It's the attitude and desires of your heart. It's not a legalistic time thing. It's what consumes your heart. Does Jesus consume your heart? It's a beautiful thing when the Spirit of the Lord invades you like that and just moves you and calls you to himself. And we're going to see that through the rest of this passage. So that second part that I don't want, kind of have two things to that. With What are our wants? We know our, our wants could be we're just our needs, that we're trusting God with our needs. You know, there's, there's a definite part of that. But then the second part of that is I'm not going to want or feel like I need anything different or more than what he provides. That can only be done through his spirit because that takes the world out of us and puts our heart in his. So we know that that's counterculture. So not only do we live in a world of wants, but we live in a world that's confused about who the shepherd should be, don't we? Very confused about who the shepherd should be. And that, hey, who your shepherd is, man, that doesn't need to be my shepherd, right? Relative truth. We live in that world of relative truth. And unfortunately, that's even coming to the church. They say, hey, you know, you can think you can, you know, live by those standards and live by God's word. But man, don't judge me if that's not what God lead me to do. Don't you love that? That the whole world wants to like look at the whole Bible and blot all of it out except judge me not. <laughs> think about that. Everybody wants to highlight that, but they don't want to highlight the other scripture. They don't want to highlight Ephesians chapter 4, 5, and 6. They don't want to highlight Galatians. They don't want to highlight Corinthians. They want to highlight, judge me not. That's a bad heart attitude. It's a bad heart attitude, if that's yours. There's truth in that, but there's context. That's another passage for another sermon, so I'm not going to dive into that. But we know that God wants to call us to himself. The passage here is he is our shepherd. All right. So who's yours? But see, if you have the wrong shepherd, it's going to lead you the wrong way. The wrong shepherd also has limitations. 
that the real shepherd doesn't. The real shepherd is sovereign and uncontrolled and has your best in mind. The wrong shepherd may have the wrong attitude, has limitations, can't measure up, will leave you stranded, will leave you hopeless, is unable to give you what you're really looking for. That's what the wrong shepherds will do. That's what the shepherd of money, fame, sexual immorality, the world, the culture, the shepherd of self will do. You see, that's the biggest problem is many people's shepherd is themselves. And they lean into their own understanding and they try to make sense of the Bible according to their own ways and their own comfort and their own standards and the own lifestyle they want to live. That's the problem is, is we are our own shepherd. And that's a huge problem. Because if there's absolute truth and you're not on that side of that absolute truth, and you're living for relative truth, then there's going to be a big problem when absolute truth shows up. You've heard it said a million times, but it's a great analogy. You cannot believe in gravity all you want. That's great. Jump off a building, though. You're going to find absolute truth is real. And your relative truth is not. You see, there is no such thing as your own truth just the truth said so who is your sovereign who is your shepherd so we have this passage that alludes to God as our shepherd and it's all through different parts of the old testament as well as the new testament and we're going to look at some of that where the lord calls himself the good shepherd and we know that also that his sheep hear his voice and follow him we're going to look at that but when we look at this concept of a shepherd man it it's almost a weird concept that somebody, especially God, the sovereign Lord, would allude to himself as a shepherd. Because back in those times, the shepherd was a lowly position. It was not a sought-after, glorified spot. In fact, if you were in a family, it was the job given to the youngest. Here, you go do it. That's why David had that position, right? But here's the Lord, the sovereign God of heaven, wanting to come in and, and, and again show that he's not here to be served, but to serve. And he alludes to himself as a shepherd. See, the heart of this psalm is to show that the sheep need guidance, need leadership. We need a shepherd, and I'm going to be honest with you, that does not resonate with anybody that has a prideful heart or is self-sufficient. It's not going to resonate. That's why this message doesn't resonate with the world. Unfortunately, it won't resonate with a lot of people in the 21st century American church. Because somehow people still think that they're under their own authority, even in Christ, and not the authority of Jesus and his word. He's the shepherd. That's the heart of this. We are the sheep. So let's look at this parallel kind of passage with Jesus calling himself the shepherd. And I want to read this whole text. We're going to be in John chapter 10 here. And we're going to read verses 1 through 18. And then we're going to read verses 25 through 30. And we're not going to have the time to um, expositionally kind of go through this whole passage, of course, and, and exegete it all the way. But we are going to point to it as reference of what Jesus is calling himself, which supports what the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord, inspired through David, put on parchment for Psalms 23. So let's look and read John 10, verses 1 through 18, and then 25 through 30. 
Here's Jesus' words right here. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. I'm going to say that again. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Oh, how many of us still don't understand, Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep and all and All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. That's why you don't want to have the wrong shepherd. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, But I lay it down of my own self. I have power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my father. Hearing a bunch of truth. Let's look at verses 25 through 30. Jesus answered them talking about to the Pharisees that are still coming against him. I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe. Why? Why why would somebody believe? Why wouldn't somebody believe God's word? Why wouldn't somebody believe the truth? Here it is. You ready? Ready? You ready? Because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. A lot of depth in that. 
in the first passage, in the first part of this passage, as we look at verses 1 through 6 and then verses 7 through 10, we're going to see Jesus specifically talking about two different kinds of sheep pens. This is important. You ready? Because it shows two types of attack from the enemy, the thief, the robber, if you will. You see, there's the thief, the robber that will come in globally to the whole sheep major sheep pen. So verses one through six is the type of sheep pen that's found in the towns and the cities. This is a large one where there will be multiple herds, multiple groups of sheep from different shepherds brought into one place to stay for the night. Okay. The thief and the robber will come in and try to take even from that in this massive area. They're not going to go in through the large gate because this is a large sheep pen. There's a large gate with a gatekeeper, okay? Obviously, the robber is not going to be let in by the gatekeeper. He's going to have to go in some other way. That's how you know he's not the real one. Here's the message. We have in our society people used by the evil one who present false doctrine and evil and come in and try to steal the sheep. And they're not going in through the way of the gate because that's the way of truth and the way of righteousness. They come in another way and snatch them out. So we have this large sheep pen with multiple herds. And then I love what Jesus said. The shepherd actually goes in through the large gate with the gatekeeper. And then what does he do? He calls to his sheep. I want you to picture this. Say a shepherd has... 30 sheep. And there's four shepherds staying the night in that town. So there might be 120 sheep in this pen. All right. I'm just using an example. Shepherd goes in in the morning, is ready to hit the road again and take them out to the pasture. And he calls. (whistles) And his 30 sheep out of the 120 will hear his voice and come. Oh, Lord, if we could hear and understand you like that. I want you to think about that. They won't get confused and go to the other shepherd. They come to their shepherd. He hears their voice and he calls them. The other type of sheep pen that's alluded to by Jesus here in in verses 7 through 10 is different. And this is a sheep pen that would be in the countryside, out in the fields. This sheep pen was smaller and was just for the herd of that one shepherd to stay the night. And this sheep pen was made kind of out of rock walls and such. If you can envision this kind of in a in a a circular kind of format or even a square whatever but at one side there would be left a a gap between the rock wall and this is where the shepherd would kind of lead the sheep in at night and make sure they're all in and then because there was no gate this is what the shepherd would do he would lay himself across that gap he was then the gate so now you see the context of The passage here in verse 9 when Jesus says, I am the door. Do you understand that now? Isn't that beautiful? That Jesus is the door. He guides his sheep in to the pen and then he himself lays himself across the gap so no evil can come and get the sheep. Do you get what type of shepherd Jesus is? Through this passage, through through, uh, David in Psalms 23 and then Jesus himself speaking to this. And he says, he is the door. He is it. No one's coming in except through him. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way into the sheep pen is through the door of Jesus. There is no other. He didn't say, I'm a door. He said, I'm the door. I'm not a way. I'm not a life. 
I'm not A whatever. I'm it. I'm the way, the truth, the life. Beautiful what Jesus said. There's only one way, and that's through the door of Jesus, through the finished work at Calvary that he completed. You're not going to do enough righteous works to get there on your own. You can't. Our righteous acts and works, doing good things, are, are like filthy rags, the Lord says. Because it's why? Because it's not our righteousness, it's his. We said it every week. We'll say it again. We don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we're saved. If you truly have the spirit of God in you, there will be some level of change. And we're all more hard-headed. Some of us are more hard-headed than others, right? So the sanctification process may look different in some people than others. Some people may be caught up in addictions, and it may take them longer and a struggle. And they may never be set free from some of that. But when Jesus is in them, there's a heart and a desire to be out of it. Even though they trip, they fall, they stumble as they try to find their way through, there's a heart desire of not wanting to live that way anymore that's jesus that's what only the lord can do and that's the difference jesus calls his sheep into that pen and he himself is the door so this is a place of security protection of shelter for those who are a child of god and he points out this exclusive nature that he is the way and then as we saw in, in the end of this passage in 25 through 30, is that he seals us in. That's why he said, no one can take them out of my hand. No one can pluck them out. If you're truly in Christ, you, you can't lose that salvation, okay? All right? Because let me tell you what, if we could lose our salvation, we would. I'm going to say that again because maybe somebody's confused. If I could lose my salvation, I would because I can mess up. I mess up horribly. How about you? That's not my heart desire, though, because Christ is in me, and he's changing me. He's changed me, and he's changing me. How about you? Man, he, we cannot be plucked out of the Father's hand. We can't, if you're truly in Christ. The unfortunate thing is there's a lot of people who truly aren't in Christ and think they are. Again, another message the wheat and the tares, all the, the message of the bridegroom and everything else that, that the Lord pointed pointed to Matthew 7 21 through 23 there's people that think they have it and they don't because their heart's not right with him and that's unfortunate no one can pluck him out he's the good shepherd as opposed to the false shepherd the thief the imposter how do you know the difference the good shepherd is willing to lay down his life for the sheep Matthew 20, verse 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus said in this passage we just read in John chapter 10, No one's taking it from me. I'm laying down my life, and I have the power to take it back up. Why? Because he's God. He's pointing in this passage that he is God himself. John 15, 13, he says, Of course, greater love has no one than this, than one lay down his life for his friends. That's Jesus' words. He's speaking that he lays down his life. That's the difference between the good shepherd and the hireling, the false shepherd, the one that runs and scatters and is not there for the sheep. Inside of 25 through 30, and then also alluded to there in the first six verses of John chapter 10, he says, my sheep hear my voice, and they listen and follow. Inside of that statement, church, is a lot of doctrine. Can I tell you that? My sheep hear my voice, and they listen and follow. 
It's a lot in there. Part of that image that the Lord is saying there shows his leadership of the flock, right? That he is sovereign, that he is the shepherd. That's why they look to his voice. And they look and follow and obey him because they know and recognize his voice. Another part of that that we want to look at is that intimacy. That expressed intimacy between the shepherd and his sheep. Hey, this isn't a a God that's distant. He's not not a cosmic cop waiting to zap you when you do wrong. He is a loving father. A good shepherd who wants to guide his sheep and bring them back into the pen and seal them in. He doesn't want you to stray. He doesn't want you to deviate from the things of the world. He wants to bring you in in security and the safety in the way of his word. And even the psalmist points to that. So it's an intimacy between the sheep and the shepherd. And it was so essential, especially as we talked about when the sheep were in those, those larger pens in the, in the cities and the towns, that they know the voice of their shepherd, so they would go with him. And they knew him, and they felt safe and were able to follow. So I want to show with you a, a video right now that, that'll kind of show that. Because some people might say, oh, well, that's a great analogy, but, but is it true? Do the sheep only follow the voice of the shepherd? So we'll show a video that's going to show kind of funny, in a funny way, multiple different people trying to call this field of sheep over to the fence. And two or three people try, and they're unsuccessful. But then when the farmer, the sheep's shepherd, steps up, watch what happens. One more time. picture of reality so oh lord what if your children followed you like that lord help us the sheep hear my voice and they follow me speaks to those who listen with obedient attention and let me get this very clear 
disobedient attention is not of you. It's not. It's not, it's not possible of you and me to follow the Lord with, with obedient attention. It takes his spirit in us to do that. Can I make that clear? Because it is the spirit of God that even makes it possible for us to first come to him. No one comes to the father unless the spirit calls him, right? That's biblical. The spirit of the Lord's got to call you to him. You can't come to the Lord on your own. The only thing you have to pull from that I have to pull from is my flesh and your flesh. It's the spirit in us that guides and directs us to him. And it's the same spirit that justifies us, that sanctifies us, that leads us in the path of righteousness as it, that's explained in Psalm 23. Ezekiel even has it in there. It says, when the Lord's speaking to, to God's people through Ezekiel, it says that the Lord's going to remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. It says this, it says, he says, I'm going to put my spirit, my capital S spirit in you, get this, and give you a desire to follow my laws. So is obedience legalism? No. You can try to make it so, but you're going to feel like you're following a list of do's and don'ts, do's and don'ts. You're going to be a Pharisee. That's what the Pharisees did. And if nobody lived up to their standards of, of, of living, then you were not religious. You were not in the, in the church. That's not it. Jesus' most harsh words were to Pharisees who spoke to legalism but didn't believe in the trust of the Savior and the Spirit of God that would change a person from the inside out. There's a difference in that. 1 John 2 Verse 3 through 6 is a passage, and inside of this is verse 4, is a verse that the Lord used about many moons ago to break me and really call me to repentance in him. Let's read this whole passage right here. 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 through 6. The Lord says this, Now by this we know that we know him. Ready? If we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk as he walked. That's not my words, guys. That's in your Bible. That's plain and simple. You want to know the test? Want to know if Christ is truly in you? There's a desire in you to live in obedience to God's word. That's the Bible. You can't read your Bible and get another message and get another idea of what salvation is. That's it. It doesn't mean we're going to mess up. It doesn't mean, especially for those in addiction, that we're trying to struggle and find our way out. What it does mean is we're not making excuses for that anymore. And we're not choosing that lifestyle. We're not having our hand up to God and stiff-arming him and say, God, I don't care what you say. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. That's pride. That's sin. That separates you from a holy God. Okay? But the Spirit of the Lord breaks us in that and brings us to repentance. That's what's so beautiful is repentance is not a work. Surrender is not a work. It's a product of the Spirit of God in your heart. It's a heart attitude. Okay? We need to understand that. That repentance is a product of the Spirit of God breaking us. It's not of us. That takes away the works out of it. And that's truth of God's word, no matter what passage in the Bible you read toward that. It affirms that we are his because we follow him. We hear his voice and we know it and we follow him. It's what Jesus is saying in this passage in John chapter 10. 
Your Bible supports itself. And another passage, John chapter 8. Flip back if you've got your book open to John. Let's read John chapter 8, verses 42 through 47. John chapter 8, verse 42 through 47. Jesus again speaking to the Pharisees. Here we go. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. If you're his sheep, you hear his voice. Do you hear his voice and do you follow? Again, it's only through the Spirit of God in you that you even have that capacity to do so. So looking to, to bring this to a close, we know that the Bible, yes, pointing in Psalms 23 and many passages as God is our shepherd. He is our leader. He is our sovereign. We surrender his will. But it's also pointing to us as sheep. And if you know anything about sheep, or maybe you don't, let me tell you a little something, because I did a little study on sheep this week. You know you're digging deep in God's Word when you study sheep to, to go back and look at the passage, right? <laughs> sheep won't survive very long without a shepherd. They are totally dependent on their shepherd for their livelihood and, and their life. Again, pointing back to us with Christ. Totally dependent on the shepherd for protection, for care. Because here's the truth. Sheep are essentially dumb animals. They're dumb. They're not able to learn very well, and they're extremely, extremely difficult to train. Don't look at your husbands, all right? Sheep don't have good eyesight, and they don't hear well. They're not fast. They can't escape a predator and run away. They have no mechanisms of defense. There's no claws, right? There's only hooves, and they're not sharp. They don't have powerful, sharp teeth and jaws. They can't defend themselves. In fact, if a wolf gets in a sheep pen, they won't even try to kick it or anything else. They just huddle up and meh until they're dead. They won't even defend themselves. Sheep are easily frightened. They're easily confused. They're followers. They're easily led astray by other sheep that wander off. They've been known to bludgingly just blindly go off a cliff because another sheep led them that way. Does that sound familiar to anybody? The shepherd knows that when he cares for his sheep, if we look in verse 2, because many people don't understand verse 2 of Psalms 23 in our passage, that he leads me to lie down in green pastures. What does that mean? Why would you want to lie down in a green pasture? Isn't a green pasture there to eat? 
What's the, what's the sense in that? You know, I think we can all understand the idea of a green pasture and a sheep needing good food and provision. That's what the shepherd leads you to. But then he says, he leads me to lie down in green pastures. What is that about? First of all, we know the Lord knows that, that we need to rest and have peace in him and, and totally in him and not be fearful. Because here's the truth about sheep again. Sheep are fearful and they don't like friction amongst themselves they don't like pestilences like flies and parasites. And if they're hungry or thirsty, if any of those things are present in the sheep, they will not lay down. They will never rest. If they're fearful, if there's friction, if, if, if Joe and Betty sheep have been fighting over in the far pasture about whose grass is whose, that upsets the whole flock. And they won't lay down and rest because there's tension. Flies, pestilences, if they're hungry or thirsty, they will not lay down. The shepherd has to lead them there and show them where to rest. There's the meaning of that. It says that he leads me beside still waters. What does that mean? A sheep will not drink from running water. If the stream is rushing, it won't do it. It's scared. So the shepherd has oftentimes, if they can't find a still part of a stream, they will put rocks up and dam up the river, the creek, to a point where it makes the water still enough that the sheep can then drink. Even if they're thirsty, they won't drink out of fear. Does that sound familiar too? The shepherd leads us beside his still waters so that we can drink because we know the parallel passage of, of the Gospels that Jesus said, man, I'm the well of life, and whoever drinks of this well will never thirst again. He leads us beside those still waters. Is he leading you? Are you following him? Are you listening to his voice? Or are you running and following another sheep over the cliff? Listen to the shepherd. Verse 3 of that Psalms, as we close, talks about this path. That he leads me to paths of righteousness. He doesn't want you to get off on the wrong path. He wants to guide you in the right path because there's safety, there's provision, there's protection. Because once you get off, there's danger. We know sheep have a tendency to wander off and get lost, to go astray, be attacked, to be killed. That's where even Isaiah in chapter 53 even alluded to it again. Say, we all like sheep have what? Gone astray. As believers, guys, you and I still have a tendency to do the same thing if we're not careful. If we're not listening to the voice of the shepherd. If we're not following him in the paths of righteousness that he has set, that we can only do again through the power of his spirit and saying and living by the spirit and not of our flesh, that we're going to get off. We're going to go astray. And we're going to miss out on the provision of the good shepherd. Our own nature, our own sinful nature has a tendency to deviate, to follow the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, to follow other sheep when they're going the wrong direction. We all have a tendency to that. That's where we must deny ourselves, Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, remember that? Anyone wants to be a follower of Christ, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Have you denied yourself? 
or are you fulfilling yourself right now? What would you say? If you're fulfilling yourself, then you're your own shepherd. You can't listen to his voice if you're only listening to yours or those of a false shepherd or another sheep that are leading you a wrong way. The voice of the shepherd is calling you in. It's calling us in today. Will we listen? Or will we run the risk of getting lost, forgetting our way back? Something else about a sheep, when it gets lost, it can't find its way back on its own. It doesn't have a homing device inside of it like many animals do that sniff their way back to where they started. It'll just keep wandering and, until it dies. And it's gone. Sometimes even if it sees the pen, it needs the voice of the shepherd to call it in to home. Same as with us. Here's the beautiful message of the Gospels. The Gospels of Luke, the Gospels of Mark, Jesus talked about the lost sheep. That the shepherd that had a hundred sheep, if one went astray, that he would leave the 99 to go find the one. He's the good shepherd. And if you've wandered away from the flock today, Jesus is calling you right now. I can't whistle now. My lips are dry from talking too much. But just like that shepherd up there, he's calling you. Will you listen? Will you hear his voice and come back? Because he's coming after you. He's already done the finished work at the cross. The enemy may come at you and try to say, you've walked away too far. You've messed up too many times. There's no hope for you. I want to tell you today that that's a lie from the thief that's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't let him in to your life. Don't let him keep you out of the sheep pen any longer. You fall on your knees today at the end of this service, and you get your heart, and you get your life right with Jesus before it's too late. Don't you follow the voice of a false shepherd. Don't don't you follow the other sheep of this world off the cliff. You repent and you let the holy God live and do in your life what only he can do. Jesus is calling you back today. How many more chances will you get? Answer this one. Answer this call right now today. Don't run anymore. You may have run 200 miles away from Jesus and the truth of his word, but through the finished work of Calvary, it's only one step back to Jesus today. You make that one step right now today. Don't let Satan keep you in your seat any longer. You come and experience what it is to live a life under the voice of the good shepherd. Bow your head and close your eyes right now. He restores your soul gives the idea of being cleansed, refreshed. He's the one who restores our soul and brings us to repentance, that guides us on the paths of righteousness and brings us into the sheepfold and seals us in. Will you hear his voice and will you answer today? You want to be made new? Then come and be made new because he who sets free is free indeed. Will you come and answer the call of your heavenly father who wants to guide and lead you onto the path that you need to be in? He's calling you into the sheep pen right now. Will you answer his voice? If you've never done that, I want you to answer today. I want you to make him Lord of your life. Say, Jesus, my life's not mine anymore. It's yours. I surrender. I repent. You've broken me through your word, your spirit. And I want to answer and follow you. 
that's you today and you've never done that for the first time, I want you to do that today. I'm going to lead you through a prayer from your heart to God's heart that, again, like we say every week, it's not the words by themselves that save you. It's not a magic prayer. You won't find the sinner's prayer in the Bible anywhere. It's with your heart that you believe and are justified. And that word believe in the Greek means to entrust, to commit. I commit, I entrust my heart, my life to you. That is salvation. And then with your tongue, you confess and are saved. Will you do that today? That's the prayer I'm going to ask you to pray from your heart to God's heart. Or if you're here and you say, Brad, I've, I've used to walk with the Lord. I used to be on fire for him. And man, lately I've drifted. I've walked away. I've deviated. And right now, like that lost sheep, I know that I'm the one. I know that I'm the one that have left the flock and God's calling me back. He's breaking me and Satan's trying to keep me in my seat and make me resist it. And right now I'm going to listen to the voice of the shepherd that I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to follow Jesus all the days of my life right now. I don't want to live in this sin, in this muck anymore, like the prodigal son that the, 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 the father just let go and finally the son when he was tired of the mud when he was tired of, of, of eating the pig slop he come back to the father and the father welcomed him with loving arms and made him a seat at the table and gave him the best that's what Jesus wants you to have today why would you keep wallowing in the mud and eating the pig slop any longer come to the father if you're the one he's running after you to come back Will you hear his voice and listen? If that's you, I'm going to ask you to say the same prayer from your heart to God's heart right now and rededicate your life back to him, to get back on fire for him, to let the Lord instill in you his spirit of fire that consumes everything in us that's not of him. That's a beautiful thing. Will you do that today? So for the first time to receive Christ or to rededicate your life to him today, just speak right now from your heart to God's heart. And say this, you say, dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, that I've messed up. I've fallen short of your glory, and I'm in need of you, my Savior. You're my Lord, you're my shepherd. Thank you for laying your life down at Calvary for me, that I could be forgiven, that I could be renewed, restored. And I'm asking you, asking you to restore my soul. Thank you for raising from the grave three days later, proving that you are God and that you had all authority to lay down your life and to take it back up, just like you said in John chapter 10, and that you stand in victory over hell, death, and the grave. And Lord, I want that same victory right now in my life. Lord Jesus, I need it. And my commitment to you is that from this day forward, I will stand with you, I will walk with you, I will live with you, and I will stay surrendered to you all the days of my life. For you are my Lord and my shepherd. Amen. If you prayed that prayer right there today, you meant business with God for the first time, or you rededicated your life to him, forget the person around you beside you right now, boldly and unashamed. Don't let Satan keep you down anymore. You made that decision today to follow him first time or to rededicate. Would you raise your hand right now? I want to pray for you, and this is more for you than it is for me. This is you making a stand in the face of an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy, that I'm not yours anymore. You're not keeping me out of that sheep pen any longer because I'm following the shepherd today. Amen. Amen. Impact Church, can we give Jesus a much worthy and due round of applause? for his word, for his truth that guides us, that leads us, that directs us, because it's his voice. The question is, will we say yes and answer and follow? Man, I hope this message has moved you as much as it has me this week, and, 
and you got your little uh, Cliff Notes version of Sheep 101 class, right? So now you know how our, what our tendencies are and, and how the Lord as our shepherd is trying to call us back in a way from what would harm us to what would lead us into a, a, a devastating lifestyle. And then may others may follow us if we go on the wrong path. Beautiful picture of God's truth that wants to guide us back and in. So help us, Lord, say yes to Jesus all week, this week, and for the rest of our lives. So let's take this word and let's go make an impact for Jesus this week in some fashion, however he leads, because there's people out there who need hope. So let's go reach them and be an impact that God wants us to have. Grab a friend, grab a family member. Let's pack this place out next Sunday. You come back for the presence of the shepherd. Thanks again for joining us today. The Lord is truly doing an amazing work and we would love for you to be a part of it. Check out the show notes for links to our website and social media pages. Or if you're ever in the Lynchburg or Forest, Virginia area, please come on by and join us in making an impact for Christ.